Great question. The Manufacturing Podcast offers news and information for the people who make, store, and move things, and those who manage and maintain the facilities where that work gets done. Please enjoy the audio of this live stream that was recorded on January 11th. Good afternoon, depending on your time zone. I think I messed up that video intro, but uh, we won't worry about that for right now. Uh, my name is Robert Schoenberger. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Industry Week, and welcome to Production Pulse, our bi-weekly live stream where we talk about issues affecting the manufacturing world. And today we're going to be talking about electric vehicles, how 2023 shaped up, and what to expect in the new year. And I'm really happy to uh, to to welcome two automotive experts uh, from, from great companies and great organizations and one Industry Week editor. Uh, first off, we have Kristen Dechek, who is a policy advisor at the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. And we also have Stephanie Valdez-Streedy, who is director of Industry Insights at Cox Automotive, which is an automotive giant that uh, works on the retail side with brands like KBB.com and several others. And from our staff, we have Laura Putre, who is our senior editor, who covers a lot of leadership issues and covers the auto industry for us. Uh, welcome, everyone. Appreciate having you on today. Thank you for having Thank me. You. Thanks. And uh, before we go any further, I'm going to give the floor to Christian for, Christian for just a second to uh, give some disclaimers about uh, the Fed and uh, rules and all that. Yes, it's a um, hazard of the business of working for the Fed, but um, any comments that I make on this uh, broadcast are mine, mine alone. I do not speak for any other people who work for the Federal Reserve, my boss, Austin Goolsby, Jerome Powell. Um, nothing I say has anything to do with interest rates, the Federal Open Market Committee, or anything like that. This is my opinions on the auto industry. Great. Well, with that out of the way, let's uh, let's get talking about uh, electric vehicles. Uh, there was a it was an exciting year for the EV market. I'm going to put up a, a slide that Stephanie provided for us here, looking at quarterly sales of electric vehicles going back to about 2019, and you can see there was definite growth, uh, right to about eight percent of auto sales by the end of last year. Uh, but at the same time, you see those last couple of uh, quarters have slower to flat growth. Uh, so there was definitely a, a lot of growth in the auto, uh, the electric vehicle market last year, but not quite as rapid as the pace had been maybe in 2022 or 2021. So uh, just starting from there, uh, what, let's talk about what 2023 looked like, why uh, the, the, the market looked like that throughout the year. And if we could maybe start with you, Stephanie. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Yeah, 2023, I believe, was the year of the EV. And like you mentioned, um, there's some slowdown. There were bumps in the road, some zigzags. But when I think about 2023, um, what are the, some of the highlights are, as you mentioned on the chart, we had a record year. Over you know, 1.2 million pure battery electric vehicles were sold. The other thing we saw last year were price cuts, which is really good for the consumer. And definitely Tesla was the leader in that. Their prices from um, last year went down 18%. So they really drove this downward price movement in the EV segment, which is a huge barrier for consumers. So the more we can get that price to go down, the better. The other thing last year is this whole standardization and adoption of this EV charging network. So I think that we, as we're having more and more manufacturers that have adopted the North American charging standard, because Infrastructure, as you all know, is critical. It has to be accessible, reliable, interoperable, and it has to be a seamless, seamless experience for the consumer. So I saw that you know, happening in 2023. And if you want me to go now, I could go 2024. We're still going to see more. 
you know, more product, over 30 plus vehicles for consumers to choose from. We're going to see more infrastructure, more discounts, more incentives. And one key is going to be more sales muscle. We're going to um, have to have, whether it's franchise dealers, salespeople, really being able to convey that value proposition for that consumer. Because we're kind of moving now into that majority consumer. And so it's going to be really important to be able to convey that value proposition. You, you mentioned affordability. And I mean, one of the vehicles that really got affordable last year was the uh, the Chevrolet Bolt, which is now discontinued. There's still a few out there. This isn't just any Bolt, though. This is my Chevy Bolt, the one I bought uh, around March of last year when uh, the combination of lower prices, higher resale values on cars combined and gave me a great opportunity to get into something. Uh, but it, it has been that issue that uh, the, the, the average EV price, if you look at 2022, 2021, was well above $50,000. And it's still high, but there are options getting into that lower range. Uh, Kristen, what, your take, how, how did you see the market last year? And what, what, what were your big takeaways from 2023? Well, I think, you know, in addition to um, all the great points uh, Stephanie made, uh, 2023 also brought um, broader application of the um, incentives from the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. So there were purchase incentives um, that had some hoops you had to jump through to get the purchase incentives, uh, but also lease incentives for EVs that didn't have as many hoops. Um, so we saw an uptick, a big uptick in EV leasing uh, that came along with that. Um, and incentives for manufacturers to invest in building plants um, to not only make vehicles, but also batteries, uh, battery components, um, processing and refining the minerals and, and the mines uh, to localize a lot more of the EV production here um, in the U.S. Um, so the EV incentives across the board uh, went into place as well as the um, infrastructure, um, the uh, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the IIJA, had uh, $7.5 billion to build out EV charging the very first uh, charger for the NEVI program, or I can't remember what that stands for, but a National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure or something like that, was in Ohio. <laughs> um, it got built out at the end of last year. Um, that money took a little while to get out to the states and have them put together their plans, but Ohio built the first NEVI uh, piece of the NEVI uh, project. Um, but that, you know, having a robust public charging network is important for this next phase of the mass market consumer to feel confident that they can go where they want to go and have charging available for them. So these two big pieces of public policy um, got put into place in, in 2023 and will be an important underlying factor as we move into this broader base of consumers that need to know that charging is there and will want to have incentives. Now, as we turn the calendar into 2024, the purchase incentives um, the, the got a little narrower. So there were some um, uh, additional uh, criteria about not having any content, well, having less content from uh, countries that are called foreign entities of concern. And of course, China is one of those, uh, China, Russia, North Korea. Um, and China is a place where many batteries, battery components and minerals um, are processed. Um, so our list of qualified vehicles went um, got cut in half <laughs> on January 1st. Um, so the 
producers now are scrambling to try to resource some of those materials that they had been, and, and components and inputs that had been coming from China uh, to get them from other sources and are offering uh, matching incentives. So if they aren't qualifying for the federal $7,500, they're putting the $7,500 on the hood themselves. Mm -hmm. And we, we saw that. I was, I'm, here's a picture of the Ford F-150 Lightning, which I believe still does qualify for the bulk of the incentives. Uh, but General Motors uh, lost partial incentives on several vehicles. Tesla lost some incentives. Kia, uh, which had been gaining some strength with a lot of new offerings. Uh, Hyundai and Kia, I'm sorry, with the uh, some of those vehicles lost the bulk of their incentives. So there, it looks like there's a, a change in the market, but there's also a change in how you can get those incentives applied to the vehicle if you are if you can find a vehicle that has the, the tax break on it. Uh, would, who wants to tackle that one? <laughs> well, you can get it point of sale now. Um, so, you know, it used to be you had to have tax liability and you had to, you know, basically wait until you filed your taxes and then get it back. And now it's available point of sale. So it's an immediate uh, rebate for the purchaser. I think the other point I wanted to make was these, you know, there was a lot of news at the end of the year, like the slowing, well, it's a slowing rate of growth, but these were still the fastest growing segments in the U.S. market. Um, over 50% growth in um, battery electric, in plug-in hybrid, and in hybrid vehicles. So all of three of the electrified segments and um, in fuel cell as well, um, we're, um, we're growing very, very fast and faster than any other segment in our market. So it's you know, slowing growth, but growth, huge growth. Um, so, you know, we worry uh, about the, the pace slowing down, but it's still tr phenomenal growth in the segments. Yeah, I want to just echo what Kristen said. We yeah, I was talking about, um, so definitely with leasing, we expect to have 25% um, of EVs will be leased on a yearly average next year. And the one thing about the IRA, I think I'm excited about that point of sale. There's about 8,700 dealers that have signed up to be eligible to provide that point of sale incentive. So I think that's good. There's still more to come. But I think one key with the IRA in general is education. So I think this year should be is going to be a huge push just education the IRA can be confusing, and even now with the new um, restrictions, it's even more. So I think really, whether it's franchise dealers or other salespeople from um, direct consumer, just being able to have that knowledge and be able to explain the incentives, not only from a national, but the state and local as well, because that's really going to help bring that price point down. Yeah, turning over to you, Laura, for just a moment here, you and I have discussed a little bit about the question of consumer demand. Is there, mm -hmm. have you heard any concern out there in the market that maybe the, uh, the, the reason things have slowed a little bit is, is consumer demand, or are we still thinking more about pricing? Um, so it look, it feels the growth is happening. Um, it's slower than what, you know, there were high expectations, aim high, I guess, um, for uh, EV sales, you know, just like, government um, and automaker expectations early on and reality I feel is starting to set in but there's still steady there's steady growth so that's great and um, I think a lot of concern is you know there's some unknowns around the charging network um, you know which will um, shape up in the next couple of years there's so many players in the market right now in the charging market and you know where am I going to charge my vehicle there's still concern on the consumer end of, with that 
And um, also, you know, just things like insurance rates, like, um, you know, are, is my car insurance going to go way up if I buy an EV? So um, once those uncertainties um, become clearer, you know, um, consumers will, um, you know, more, more consumers will be buying EVs, I think. But right now, I, I think a, a hybrid, you know, hybrids are um, a good, um, you know, baby step toward that. And there's also growth in the hybrid market. Yeah, you mentioned that, Stephanie, the hybrid growth, because uh, we have seen a fairly significant increase. I mean, I would, uh, you know, I think a lot of that can be credited directly to the Ford Maverick, uh, the, the light pickup, uh, really show there's a, some, some solid demand for certain types of hybrid vehicles. Can you discuss a little bit of what you saw on that side of the market? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely, you know, if you think about hybrid, it's a really is, um, it's a good gateway to the EV adoption. So I think hybrids are gonna to continue to grow. You know, next year, probably see 25, 24, 25% of the market will be EVs and plug-ins and hybrids. And so we anticipate that's gonna be a great um, growth area. And I think it goes back to that consumer experience and what we've been talking about infrastructure with a gas hybrid, you don't have to worry about plugging in. So you're gonna have that same consumer experience driving a vehicle. So I think it's going to be that transition um, to full electric. So definitely going to see some of that in the market growing next year. And, you know, we've seen, you know, you, you saw the announcement probably with Toyota, the Camry is only going to be offered in hybrid very soon. And so I, it'll be interesting to watch how that um, those sales grow with the hybrid Camry. I believe the, the Honda Accord is also, uh, I, I believe, is also only going to be a hybrid model. Yep. So the, the, yeah. the, the few mid-sized sedans left on the market seems like there aren't going to be any uh, uh, gas-only models in the very near future. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah I, I think, think just affordability is another... Oh, yeah. oh, go ahead, Kristen. No, I was going to say, no, you're right. Affordability, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. or, or Stephanie. Yeah. Oh, I would well, say yeah, so I mean, affordability is another concern. I mean, uh, Tesla and the Chevy Bolt is are the two that uh, are, you know, solid under 50,000 in the Nissan Leaf, I guess, too. But, um, you know, they've got to be, you know, people can't afford the those vehicles over $50,000. So, um, you know, maybe there'll be other entries into the market at that level. Christian, your, your take on the, the, the affordability issue, do you, do you see that being as big of an issue in 24 as it was in 23? Um, absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm focused on affordability at a conference that I did last January. Um, I've got a sort of different taking at it this, this year. Um, there, are, um, there are plenty of very affordable EVs in the world them are made by Chinese producers. Um, there's an $11,000 uh, BYD Seagull, for example. Um, we have a 27.5% tariff on Chinese-made vehicles to the U.S. market. $27.5% comes in $25,000. So there are um, plenty of affordable EVs. Oh. It looks like we, we, we've lost her again. Sorry about the technical issues today. Uh, but on that side, Stephanie, if you could maybe talk a little bit about affordability. You, you mentioned that there, there are going to be more models this year, uh, but are they going to be models that uh, bring that price point down to where maybe the average buyer wants to be? 
I think there's going to be some models we look like, you know, I think everyone's excited about the Equinox. Um, you're going to see like the Fiat's coming out. So I think there's going to be some options. And I also think too, as we start to see, you know, the new EV sales fuel the used EV marketplace. So as we start to see more of these used EVs entering the marketplace, that's going to be a good option for affordability for consumers. And especially for those EVs that are under 25,000 that are eligible for the IRA incentive. So I think um, that's going to help, but definitely affordability still, for whether it's EV or ICE, is still a consumer barrier. And so I think that's something that um, we're going continue to continue to see as a, a factor in 2024. Well, uh, if you really look point, at the past. I, I, oh. uh, I was going to say another oh, point, I mean, there was an article in the Financial Times today about how uh, U.S. Uh, resale value of EVs have come down a th by a third. Part of that is the flow through of prices of new vehicles. So we saw, you know, Tesla cutting prices, um, you know, the the incentives on the hood of EVs last year, you know, they're they're coming down in um, in the new vehicle market somewhat. Um, so that's going to play into market, and of course, the IRA incentive on used vehicles for certain consumers that can that can get into um, that can get into a used vehicle. And yeah, you know, just to bring the point up that um, it's not like the general automotive market is particularly affordable these days. Uh, that, that's been a growing issue really since the uh, pandemic, the supply chain issues that hit when there were limited chips available, the automakers pushed them off to their highest, sell, uh, highest price, highest margin vehicles. Uh, so we, we've been dealing with rising, dramatically rising automotive pri uh, uh, prices for the past uh, three years or so, uh, and EVs probably are, are, are the, the, the gulf between EVs and the, uh, the the ICE vehicles might not actually be as extreme as it would have been had it uh, had not been for some of the supply chain hiccups that we saw a couple of years ago. Uh, they're, they're still expensive, but uh, when, when when the average vehicle is selling for north of $50,000, the average EV is not that far behind. Well, and I think right. we're going to see higher prices on internal internal combustion engine vehicles too as I'm sorry we lost Kristen Dechek's audio for a moment here. The point she was making is that uh, gasoline-powered vehicles are going to get more expensive at the same time that electric vehicles are going to get less expensive over the next few years. So we should see a convergence in the pricing over the, the next year or two or maybe a little further out Between than that. The two. Uh, Stephanie, what, do you see a, a timeline for that? You know, it's interesting when you look at, you know, some of the projections for, you know, like for an EV up to 40% of the values of the battery. So as we start to see battery, you know, we're seeing um, battery prices go down. They went down from like 2010 to 2021, like 89%. Last year they went up, but they're back going back down now. So I think that's a good thing. But then also it's all about scale, right? As you start to scale EVs, we're going to start to see more price um, reduction as well. So it's kind of those things that are kind of going in parallel but it's going to take some time, but I think we're moving in the right direction. Right. Just a couple of final things here. Uh, what, what You mentioned the, the large number here. Which ones excite you the most? Which, which ones do you think have the, the most opportunity to move the market in 2024? I think you think about just all the new, like whether it's, I mean, some of the, the Equinox, you know, Honda's coming out with a prologue for the first time. It'll be interesting to see how that, does in the market. 
Um, I think I think the um, if you think about some of the stuff with um, Kia EV9, I think what's going to be critical too is offering these different products that have different styling, different size to accommodate different types of consumers, whether you have you know children or if you're a single person. So I think that I'm just excited about all the different segments that are going to be growing in the EV space. Right. And Kristen, any uh, vehicle that uh, you're you're keeping an eye on for 2024? Um, I'm not going to weigh in on a specific vehicle, but I'm going <laughs> to echo Stephanie's point of, you know, just covering a broader segment of uh, of offerings for consumers. You know, everybody who, you know, at the beginning EVs were small cars, or you know, even hybrids were small cars, and now it's you know, there are pickup trucks, there's going to be minivans, there's going to be the CUV segment's getting infiltrated and CUV is, you know, two two fifths of our market. Um, so as there's more offerings in more segments, it's going to make it easier for mass market consumers to find something that fits their needs. It's an exciting time. I mean, this uh, industry has been uh, building up for, for so long and to see the, the, the kind of growth we saw last year, even if uh, the, the, the growth continues to slow, we should still see uh, you know, going from that eight percent, maybe up a uh, nine, ten percent within the next year or so. So there, there, there does look like it's a, it's a very exciting time for this market. Uh, and uh, here at Industry Week, we'll continue to cover that because it's been a big driver in manufacturing over the past year. Uh, twenty twenty three saw some of the highest investment rates in American manufacturing in the past uh, twenty years, and almost all of that was related to semiconductors or electric vehicle battery. Uh, facilities because of the, the, the these the, the, the chip shortages uh, followed by the need to uh, get as many of these EVs on the road as quickly as possible uh, to, to meet some of the regulatory pressure and to see where the demand is going. So it will be an interesting another few years to see how quickly this market develops and uh, excited to continue following that and uh, bringing, bringing you the news as it happens. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'd like to thank uh, Kristen Dietschek from the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago and Stephanie Valdez-Streedy from uh, Cox Automotive. And, of course, Laura Poutre, uh, my colleague here at Industry Week. Have a great afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.